welcome to another episode of the Third Person Podcast. My name is Chris Milhouse, and joined, as always, with my co-host, Daryl Hammond. How are you, Daryl? Um, how's it going, eh? Ah, it's going good, man. It's going good. Can't complain. I mean, I can, but coronavirus, 2020, all this stuff, no one wants to hear it. But uh, otherwise, going to say good for now. Do you, ever, do you ever feel like, do you ever go through a day and not watch the news and so therefore not completely notice coronavirus anymore that it's actually become a part of your normalcy? I, th- I think you have to, man. I think you have to take a break from the news and scale it back because it's, it's uh, you know, the world is ending in 2020. I, I, uh, I don't know. It gets a little overwhelming. So I try not to let it, you know, consume my whole mental health too much but i do read so i read on like twitter and you know other places like that and just to keep still informed somewhat you know i see clips a lot of different news items i mean it could be like the the opening scene in a um in a disaster movie or really a an end of the world movie you know they used to have movies like in the 50s and 60s or sometimes there was a couple of twilight zone episodes i think where there was a guy who was the only guy on earth because the civilization had ended. And, you know, when you start looking at, at fires and floods and um, all the other things, that, the unrest that we're having and then the, the pandemic, you could be like, wow, maybe I should start saying my prayers a little bit more often. Yeah, man. Uh, it could be overwhelming, and I try not to uh, let it control me because otherwise, you know, that's just going to – it's just going to kind of, uh, I don't know, take over your life and and uh, make you go more on a little bit of the, you know, depressing side. So try to try to stay a little more upbeat these days and, and, and scale back on the news stuff. Um, but uh, speaking of good news, uh, I did see today that uh, Saturday Night Live, your old uh, – well, and current employer uh, – they they announced their new cast. We got three new cast. Tell me members. about it. They didn't announce them to me, so why don't you tell me? <laughs> um, so they announced that, like I, they always do. They announce, um, you know, their new cast members uh, usually like right before the season starts. Um, I don't know if you, any people that are listening remember last year. It kind of made news, and it was very big headlines when they announced it. They announced a dude named Shane Gillis, and he was announced along with Bowen Yang. And uh, someone else who escapes my mind, I can't remember. But um, anyway, he came under controversy last year because they found a podcast that's where he used a racial slur and SNL, I guess, didn't do too much research on him or what. But they ended up firing him after the announcement before he even made it to the cast. So the hunt is on now for the new cast. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Now, these new cast members, I only know one. There's there's three that they announced. Uh, I only know one, and her name is Punky Johnson, and she is a door person at the comedy store, or at least was. Uh, she's funny. I've seen her before. Uh, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing how she takes over You know, the, a certain role at SNL. Um, well, all of us are. I, I don't know her, but um, I'm sure I will. Yeah, and um, they did announce today, too, uh, that Jim Carrey will be playing Joe Biden this season, which is pretty interesting. I think it's phenomenal, no? I think it's, that's exciting to me. 
Yeah, I think it's going to be great. Uh, I think that uh, I think it's it's. I mean, a guy like Jim Carrey, who doesn't want to see? I mean, he comes back to host, and you know, he's such a, a brilliant actor and comedian. And uh, I'm really excited to see him portray Joe Biden because I was wondering this year. You and I have talked about this. I'm like, who's going to play Joe Biden? Who's going to be? But uh, now, I mean, Jim Carrey, what a what a star to bring on, you know? Yeah, I mean. When I think about Joe Biden, first of all, I don't look enough like him physically, but, I, you know, I wonder what's the take, you know? What's the angle that you take? And nobody does it better than Jim Carrey. And uh, it's going to be exciting. Yeah, I'm excited for it too, man. I uh, I think that this will be – it's going to be an interesting season for, for SNL because, you know, coronavirus and everything that's been going on, I mean, you know, will there be an audience there? I mean, you said that they're, they're kind of hell-bent to make sure that there is, but how much of an audience will there be? Probably scaled back. Either. I've said that there's – you know, of course there's a desire to do that. Um, yeah, of course. I, I mean uh, – <clears throat> the front office never consults me, but they occasionally can. <laughs> They occasionally confide in me, and um, so uh, um, I don't know. Um, boy, wouldn't that be incredible? Yeah, I think that you know the show thrives obviously much better than it you know within a live audience, just like any show. You know, um, you know, not to say that the ones from at home were bad by any means last year. That was you know, nobody knew what to do. They just threw it together. It was great. I mean, I thought it was great for what they for having literally no time to really prep for that at home stuff. Uh, but I'm, I'm excited to see if they can come back this year. With a My home. instinct is that you're, everyone's going to see something very exciting. I think so too, man. I think so too. And I'm, uh, I'm hoping we see a little more Daryl Hammond make some cameos this year. <laughs> well, I made two cameos last year and I loved it. And of course I love all the cameos, <laughs> you know, I've yeah, done, I, uh, I, I left when I left. I, every year I've done, I think I've done about one cameo a year. I don't know. But, um, you know, I've worked there for uh, since 1995, sometimes a little, sometimes a lot, you know. Um, but anytime you get to do a cameo, of course, it's a big surprise and, a, or, you know, a big treat. Yeah, that's awesome. I always said that if I could play uh, anybody on the show, I'd love to learn how to play Fauci. Dr. Anthony Fauci. Because I'm, I'm you're going to introduce your you're going to do your Fauci character now. No, I don't have a Fauci character. I'm going to work on one. Uh, I just think that uh, me being a tiny guy who has glasses, I just resonate with him. <laughs> He's a hero. Well, um, you got to make your voice a little hoarse or something. I don't know. How would you go about it? I got to talk like this. You know, we got the vaccine. That sounds like a terrible Marlon Brando impression. No, but, actually, uh, the the tonal quality is nice. It's what's called a um, an educated accent where you, you hear that he's from a certain place, but he sounds erudite anyway. Yeah. In other words, you could do like a Tommy Lee Jones um, for a Southerner, and he sounds smart. You know, like Eric Fogg. You know, what's that line from uh, from um, you know, uh, Fugitive? Farmhouse, doghouse, outhouse, lighthouse, and out. I shit. <laughs> You're fugitive. Oh, wait, wait. <clears throat> <clears throat> Your fugitive's name is Dr. Richard Kimball. Go get it. There you, you go. Know. Perfect. Perfect. Always um, love the uh, always love the impressions, Daryl. Well, I mean, you know, I got nothing to do all day, and <laughs> it, it's fun to cram. 
I hadn't planned on doing um, Tommy Lee Jones today, but it's an example of what I'm talking about. And so, like with Fauci, he manages to retain his his that really rich. He's from Brooklyn. I don't know if he's from Brooklyn specifically, but I know he's from New York. Yeah, you, he manages to retain <clears throat> um, that rich dialect. I mean, you know, when I was in college, I did all these these tests where I would splice the the consonants away from the vowels and. Every, you know, human life is reflected in the vowels. That's how we tell who the person is. All of our consonants sound exactly the same. So, you know, with him, you just got to find A-E-I-O-U. On which vowels does he show to do his accent? Because okay. it's a light accent, you know. Michael Cohen's got a light accent, you know. That's true, yeah. Um, but an accent nevertheless, you know. Both guys sound highly intelligent but you can tell where they're from yeah i like to think that uh your neighbors are probably like you know wow daryl's got a lot of famous people coming in and out of his apartment all the time <laughs> they hear you practicing through the tommy hall. lee jones was there today <laughs> yeah bill clinton he had, huh? i think the president was in there too the president was i always said the president was there the other day and <laughs> jay leno <laughs> Uh, how great was our last guest, by the way? Amy Sedaris was our last uh, guest that we had on. How amazing was she? She's, she kicked ass, man. She's awesome, man. All of our guests have been so great. And let me just remind the audience here listening and watching. Uh, guys, if you could, please share uh, our podcast with your friends. Tell them to download. Tell them to subscribe. Give us five stars. Uh, even if you think we're only a four-star podcast, give us a five-star. Come on. Helps out with these... Uh, these annoying algorithm things that uh, I don't have, quite understand. Have we gotten any five stars? We have. We've gotten quite a few actually so far. So the more five stars we get, the um, the more our podcast comes up in searches right away. So if somebody searches comedy or somebody searches uh, Saturday Night Live, like you know that stuff just comes up right away when we have a lot of five star um, podcast uh, ratings and. We might be able to get some money, uh, you know, some advertising, so we can eventually move to a nice studio uh, and and do it out of a studio like the uh, podcasts and radio days are meant to be. So not over well, Zoom. We have better quality of sound. I want to do Peace Food as our sponsor because I lost my diabetes eating That's there right. twice. Yeah. <clears throat> Keep mentioning them until they, they come going, hey. We I'm glad I'm man. As, as soon as we, we're ranked number 64 now, we were, yeah, right out the gates. It was uh, the 64th uh, ranked podcast. I don't know if that's gone up or, or down in the last few days, but pretty good start. Not bad. I mean, guys, we're growing this organically. So, like I said, please tell your friends. Uh, make sure you download. Make sure you subscribe. And the five stars, that would be great. We're having fun with these podcasts, and we want you guys to have fun, too, listening. So, um, but, yeah, that, what, a great, what a great guest that Amy Sedaris was. We've had some really killer comedians and, and, and friends on this podcast so far. And we've got a lot more lined up. So a lot of you guys are in for some huge treats uh, and not just, you know, stand-ups. Obviously we, we go across the board. We're going to have a lot of different guests coming up and uh, you guys are going to be really surprised. I guarantee it. Uh, but with that being said, are you ready to bring on our guest for today? Please. Our guest for today will be the one and only Jeff Richards. Let's see if we can get him on here. All right, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our guest today on the Third Person Podcast. Our third person, Mr. Jeff Richards. How are you, Jeff? Hello, Chris. <laughs> hey, How's Jeff. it going, buddy? Hey, Daryl. 
We've been talking you up pretty good these last few shows. I appreciate it. For those of you guys uh, who may not know, you should know, you may not know, Jeff's a very funny stand-up comedian, but he is also a former cast member on both Saturday Night Live and Mad TV, one of the only ones that has ever done that. And a regular at the comedy store. And a regular at the comedy store, yes, sir. He's always always in the big league somewhere. He is. (laughs) I like that angle. You're, You're closer. I like that angle on you. It's like, am I too bright? It's all right, man. Whatever you feel. I think it's fine. You got a few I never know how to light this fucking thing. <laughs> now, Jeff, uh, you and I met like years back. I mean, I remember when I first got to uh, L.A. It was just like 2008 when I lived out there at the comedy store. I met you like doing shows and just being waiting for this, waiting for those open mics at the store. You were already passed and uh, it was it was cool. To, uh, you were always one of the people that were like super nice to me around the comedy store, man. Well, you're a nice guy yourself and I didn't uh, I did nice, not buddy. like you. Yeah, I, I hope so. <laughs> no, you're I hope a nice so. guy. Yeah, we didn't know each other super well, but uh, you know, you were always cool to me when I came around. And um, I was asking Daryl, said, you know, I uh, said, how long have you known him? I was like, oh wait, you guys were on the same cast together. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's how I feel about Chris right now. Um, I don't not like him. <laughs> right, right. It's He's not sound. in the same room, but he feels like it, and that's good enough. Yeah, yeah he, he, feeling the love here, guys. Appreciate it. <laughs> he is a swell fella, it seems. Swell With fella. Lots of good yarns about picking up ladies and. <laughs> and yes, he's. I can't he's, wait to get these comments and people back. Uh, you know, we've been talking about how um, my feeble attempts at picking up women around New York during coronavirus, and uh, apparently uh, Daryl thinks I'm a little weird, a little creepy. So that's always fun. Not yeah. me. I think it's the women <laughs> that you say these fucked up things to. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I'm not calling you weird. They're not fucked up, Daryl. Come on. They're all jokes. Okay. You're right. You're right. <laughs> Jeff, what are, how are you spending your time these days? Uh, you know, doing, uh, trying to do more of this on online stuff. I'm kind of, I don't do a lot of it. So I'm trying, I got a podcast now that's out and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing this kind of thing. I think podcasts are the funnest. Um, like you know, crazy. making a video takes a lot, a lot of work and effort, but you know, just get on here and I like it. It's fun. Yeah. And a podcast too, you know, you, because the the cast is so small and there aren't mic weird, there's not mic, uh, microphone weirdness. I mean, you can actually hear the other two guys laugh and, and hearing the sound of laughter has been so missing in my life and, and so hard. I did a storytelling show and, and I didn't do too good, Jeff. I, I couldn't hear anybody laugh. Well, it's hard to get the feeling of, of, of what the atmosphere is. It's like you're trying to project to something that you're just guessing what it feels like over there. You know, it's, it's, yeah. uh, have you done any live shows out there in LA? I haven't done any. No, I haven't done any. I haven't, uh, I haven't gotten on that. Um, but, I just feel like everything's going to shut down again, you know, it's, uh, tell me, tell know. me what's going on. Well, we got fires. We got, um, you know, the world we've got, uh, <laughs> 2020 this, uh, just attacking virus, you know? And, uh, it's just like to find comedy. It's like, you got to do this online thing and you just kind of have to get through it and, uh, make it your own, I guess. I don't know. I'm new to it. I'm like I said, just started a podcast. Um, the Jeff Richard show.com. There you, you want to see it. 
<laughs> Jamie Kennedy is my first guest, but yeah, I'm uh, trying he was a to guest, just... He was a guest on our podcast too. Oh, cool. Yeah, cool. he's yeah, great. He's great. It's hilarious. I opened so, with Jamie on the road. He's a, he's a great guest. Great dude. Yeah. So Jeff, I don't know. I, what do, wait, go ahead. What's that? No, go ahead. Who was that, Chris? No. That was Jeff. <laughs> uh, yeah. Do you want to say... Yeah, go ahead and say what you were saying. No, I remember now. I remember. <laughs> oh, I know. Beautiful I'm, thing I'm about Zoom, what... man. When we're talking over people by accident, because the Zoom it's a little delayed, it's a little lagged, but we'll get it. We'll get it down. I think you're one of the best impressionists I've seen, um, and who I've enjoyed. I, I, I particularly admired your Don Imus uh, um, among among Stupid many idiots. Listen, <laughs> Daryl, just piss me off. I got a pack of jujubes. You know, a pack of jujubes. I left it on the front seat. I got about one giant jujube. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. Yeah, dude. I see your videos you put up sometimes on uh, Facebook, and they're great. Thank you. Yeah, they're awesome. Um, now, let me ask a question. Like, uh, how? So this has always fascinated me. You going from uh, Mad TV to Saturday Night Live. How did that whole thing happen? How did you get Mad TV, and then SNL plucked you from there, or how? Did, what? How did you jump over to SNL? No, my uh, my my contract. They give you a, a small contract when you first go on uh, these shows, you know, and it, it expired, and I, I didn't make it past that. I did like a four of twelve. Okay, so it wasn't like I, SNL with those seven year deals. Well, those are just options. Okay, each year they have to pick you back up. But um, so I I, had, uh, I did that little contract, fulfilled it, and then I had good managers, really good managers, three arts, uh, Dave Rath and. Oh, yeah, uh, Carl Welker and and they just they just made it happen. They just got me that audition, you know. Yeah, and you have you have an interesting SNL, uh, you have an interesting SNL story, I should say. Drunk Girl was such a big hit, and I I loved that man. I mean, that was so fucking funny on the Weekend Update desk. If any of our listeners don't remember that, you gotta Google it. It is so great. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. you're welcome. Just uh, it was based on my father. Um, no. <laughs> I hate you, but I don't think you I, I, would. Would a guy play a girl today on the show? Do they? Would they do that? I guess so. Maybe. I mean, it just depends. I feel so like I, comedy has to make more and more sense to everyone. You know, like we don't want to do anything that makes anyone feel off kilter about it. You know, it's got to like. You know, obviously. You can't offend anyone, but how do you make fun of things when you can't offend, you know? Um, it's, it's this fine line that you literally have to walk with sometimes of being a comedian because you're, you're like, I know this is funny, but uh, I don't want to offend anybody. Yeah. yeah, it's like certain sections of the universe are just off limits, you know? But I feel those sections are, like, increasing, you know, which is, I think is fine. And, is, and the challenge of that is fun, you know, trying to just, you know, thread certain needles and... You know, if you talk about this, you got to do it in a certain way, which is kind of challenging and fun. But it's, you know, uh, I was there one night at the store when Jamie Kennedy was doing a set and I, 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 I had a friend in the audience, uh, a woman who got up and walked out of the set who was so offended by the material. And I said, you know, He's not make. He's not glorifying violence or inappropriate behavior. He's making fun of some people, but he's not glorifying violent behavior. 
she had it in her head. I mean, he was, I guess he was doing jokes about the Me Too movement. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, he does. And that. he was having a really big set, which means, you know, the audience agrees with him and they like his premise and they understand his premise. And I think he was talking about, um, as I, I, I recall, I think he was talking about hypocrisy. And that's mm-hmm. why the audience was loving it. But this girl hurts, you know, sometimes, you know, Jeff, people in that crowd will hear shit. They'll hear what the fuck they want to hear. Yeah. You know? Sometimes people forget that we're trying to make jokes, that we're just, we're, we're just trying to make you laugh. We're just, we're, you know, these are jokes that aren't, they're not made to, to, to hurt your feelings. They're, they're made to make fun of a certain thing. And, you know, if you, and then granted, if sometimes when it talks about something like the Me Too movement and you're making jokes, it's a little tough for some people to laugh at that. And I understand that. But at the same time, if you're getting offended to leave, I, I'm like, you know, you have to realize you're in a comedy club and that you're there to laugh and that comedians are going to, take they're trying to bring light to the darkest subjects yeah yeah you know what i don't like yeah good go ahead you guys go ahead no no i'm just gonna say it's it's like it's like they when someone yells back out it's like they think they're speaking for the crowd and they they never are so it's just they never are one one candle usually i mean because if you're taking it at face value you know if you're if you're suggesting i'm not making fun of it i'm just saying it this is what I really think, then you're forgetting that you're in a comedy club, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? When I was uh, starting out on the road years ago, you know, it was a thing when comics would turn around, point to the sign on stage, comedy. Yeah, <laughs> I see that a lot. Jokes. Right. Yeah. I got booed off stage a couple of times. Um, um, I was playing, like, you know, I was talking the other day when we were t- Chris and I were talking, I was playing a prayer group. I didn't know there was a fucking prayer group. And uh, I went into my Monica Lewinsky, Bill Clinton um, stuff and some of Sean Connery's lines from the show. And, <laughs> you know, they booed me. Um, but I, I remember this particular night because Jamie was just having one of those nights where it was just annihilating like 300 people, laugh, 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 boom, applause, laugh. And just one person took offense. One person who's like, I, I, I had to tell her, I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. She don't like me no more. She don't, she don't like, she don't like me no more. Uh, but yeah, no, but uh, it's like, don't you find it like, like the one person who doesn't like it has such a huge voice. You know, like like comedy clubs don't necessarily stand up for the comedian and say, well, you know, this one person is one person or two people, you know, are, are, are really isolated incidents. But it's too bad that, that it, it makes a lot of comedians feel like they can't try things, you know, and um, and push the envelope, you know? Yeah, I think well, the I, best comedy comes from pushing the envelope. Yeah, I mean, I find that the, the closer you get to um, what's distasteful, that line, the mm-hmm. closer you get to that, me, the closer I get to that line, the funnier I am. But you always fucking step over. Uh, every once in a while, you step over and go, oops. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> too much, Sorry too much. That, that one got away from me. <laughs> when you do your set, I mean, I've never seen your stand-up set. Do you do a lot of impressions or some? Yeah, I do mostly impressions. Yeah, and a couple characters, but yeah, mostly impressions. Yeah. And and um, which ones do you do you like the most? 
I like doing Robert Downey Jr., um, Jimmy Fallon. Wow, those are fabulous. <laughs> I have, I, I, ah, dare, I so cool. I, I, the most amazing thing in the world. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, no way. Okay. <laughs> um, and and um, have you done that for him? No. <laughs> <laughs> I think he would like it. I think that's spot on. I think man. he should. It's not a. It's not mean. It's oh. just like, oh wow, I found a paperclip yesterday. You know? <laughs> Is it you that does the impressions? I think was it Facebook that I saw you do the impressions with the face swap. Yeah, face swap. Yeah, so it's like a you could he puts uh, Jimmy Fallon's face on his face and does the impression of Jimmy Fallon with Jimmy Fallon's face on him, and it's great. It's it. That's so much fun to watch. And you do that with Downey too? Yeah, I do Downey. How the heck do you find a take on that? Robert Downey Jr.? Yeah. It's like, you know, it's like, you know, it's like voodoo. It's like, you know, masochism. It's like back and forth. I did, I had a Diet Coke yesterday. It just knocked my socks off. Daryl, it's great to see you. Seriously. Yeah. I mean, that that's <laughs> that's really capturing that, uh, that the Avengers character. I got to give, <laughs> give you credit, man. Those are tough ones, and you uh, you found definitely found a handle. Thank you. What are the other ones you like? David Attenborough. Hmm. Oh, that's a, that's an interesting one. How's that one? Go? This tiny speck of dirt is not just a speck of dirt. Inside are mustard spiders, millions of them. You know something. <laughs> Love it, dude. Bravo. This is great. These are great. Bravo, dude. Thank you. Now, do you remember what what uh, what impressions did you do for your auditions? We've talked auditions for SNL here. Do you remember? Uh, you yeah, did? I did uh, Dustin Hoffman. Okay. Oh, very attractive. I find you very, very attractive. Oh very. wow, that's a, that you got <laughs> that's phenomenal. You got that's got to be on your highlight reel. Oh, don't don't talk to me like that. I don't want to talk about reels. <laughs> It's brilliant. Brilliant. It's so good. Thank you. And um, I did uh, Charlie Rose. We both did Charlie Rose. I didn't do Charlie Rose. I, I took a pass at it, and I was okay at it, but you were actually expert. Then Didn't you get it on the air? I got it on the air, yeah, once, yeah. I, I never. I did him a number of times in read-through, and mine never got on. But, uh, yeah, your Charlie Rose is, was uh, – you still do that? Give me a sense of what you do. I mean, you are – what? I mean, take me through. I mean, take me through you. You are. I mean, they talk about baseball. They talk about tennis. But, but this is what. I wish I, I could. I wish I could ring a bell. Yeah, we start getting ringing out the claps here, man. These, these are fucking great, dude. These are really Thanks. phenomenal. Wonderful. Gene Wilder, I did. Oh, Gene Wilder. Yeah, I used to. The, did you sing the Willy Wonka song? Yeah, that was that was so freaky because you not only did him brilliantly, you sang br- like him brilliantly. Thank you. There's no way of knowing which direction we are going, but I know I I've tried it before. I tried to get on the subway, but there was no more tickets. <laughs> right? <laughs> Fucking home run. How many? Um, we we've talked about this with previous guests, but how many times did you audition for SNL? Just one time. Just the one time. And then how, yeah. how was your experience when you auditioned? Was it? We talked to a lot of people who will say, oh, I crushed at my audition, but I didn't get it. And then a year later, I got it. 
and then there's people that bombed I, I, their audition I, and then they got it. They had no idea. I, I was told I had the audition and I had two weeks and I literally lost like 20 pounds because I was so nervous. I was like oh, running and working out and, <laughs> and I, uh, I, yeah, I was like running. I never ran. I don't run, you know, and I was like running, you know, that's how anxious I was. And uh, the, the, it was good. I was just sort of like in my head, I was like, I just want to make sure I don't feel bad about this audition the rest of my life. You know, I just want to make sure I do a good job to me and, you know, get through it without being nervous. Yeah, it's so. funny. When I, when I walked in the room for that audition, I just remember saying to myself, please, God, make it so I don't suck. I am way, way farther than I ever thought I would be in my life. I don't expect to get this job, but please let me perform up to my abilities, you know? Yeah. That, that was my goal. Just don't choke. Don't yeah. get so scared you can't perform. And I, and I was terrified. What did you, what was in, what did you tell yourself? What were you saying to yourself, you know, the last 12 hours up to it? What were you saying? Like, I can do this. I was this, saying I to myself, I was, I was making a bargain with the universe. Like, I don't have to get it. I shouldn't go in there thinking that I'm going to get it. I, there's obviously a reason I got this far. Let me perform up to my abilities. Um, I, I, I think I know how to do this stuff. And, uh, because the, there have been times in my life when I was too scared to perform. Just too fucking scared. Stand-up shows? Yeah. And a couple of, and there was, there was one sketch on SNL, like the first time that I did uh, Ted Koppel. Um, I barely could get it out of my mouth. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't really, you know, um, I could, you know how you have that comic timing. You have to play the line. I managed to do the vocal quality. And some part of me after that, some some part of my psyche just went, motherfucker, you can't let that happen again. All right? You can't let that happen again. I don't know what you have to do, but you can't exist up here by going out there and holding onto the guardrail. Right. Or bunting or punch hitting. You right. got to unload on the fucking ball. Uh and uh, some part of me, I didn't, I got scared after that, but not so scared where I just said <laughs> the words only, you know? Yeah. I, I didn't get that scared again, although I got scared plenty of times. Well, Daryl's yeah. talked on the podcast about how he auditioned twice. Three. Yeah. Three times, three, sorry. Three oh, times. No, 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 no. Uh, two times, uh, I was rejected twice, and then I, there you go. the yeah. third time I got it, yeah. I've heard a lot of they those types wanted, of stories. They wanted you, just didn't have the place for you yet, probably, right? I mean, it, that's been explained to me, but uh, I don't think, you know, Lauren ever said anything to me about that. But, you know, it made sense to me that as long as Phil Hartman was there, they didn't have a spot for me. You yeah. know, they were looking for the guy that was slightly older and then the other, the rest of the cast and could play older people and who could do impressions and, and most of all, who could play Clinton. I mean, most of all, you know? <laughs> most of all. And at that time, um, when I got discovered, so to speak, I had one line in my act as Clinton. Phil retired, and they brought me in and said, "Listen, maybe this, maybe this fucking guy can do a bunch of impressions." You know, 
And so I had no material. I had no time to prepare. And I remember doing things like, you know, uh, Ted Koppel in German, Phil. No, I did Phil Donahue in German and Rodney Dangerfield in Spanish and, you know, just stuff like that. So I could at least <laughs> show that I had some transformative abilities or, or, or hoped I did. How many impressions did you do on SNL? Do you know in the whole time you're there? Well, I have 139 wigs. Um, oh, shit. Think, wow. Yeah, I think um, probably 90 of them were impressions, and I would say maybe 20 of them were good. Like, you know, how, how when you come off, you go, yeah, I, I nailed that. You know, that didn't happen to me too often because, listen, it's not like we're in Vegas and we have five years to figure this fucking shit out. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like no, you got eighteen hours, bro. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're gonna be doing. You're gonna be out there doing Geraldo Saturday night, and you've got four other things that you're working on. Oh, and here's Geraldo too. Oh, Geraldo's so good. <laughs> yeah, do sweet, do some Geraldo. Oh. <laughs> well, let's see. Uh, <clears throat> Osama bin Laden was here only moments ago. I had him in a headlock. I, I need him in his dastardly groin. Um. <laughs> you you tap into that slight femininity that is Geraldo Rivera. Like there's that, you know. Well, you know, the, the problem is, is like, you know, you've got a few hours to do this fucking guy. You've got to amplify it. You have to amplify it because it's, it's SNL. You've got four minutes only. <clears throat> You've got to put this character out there quickly. So whatever, you, you know, you can get your hands on to, to exaggerate. And, <clears throat> you know, um, with him, he happened to have a thing with the S, his S's, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> Here in Mogadishu, Osama bin Laden was here only moments ago. Uh, out of the headlock. And I need him and his dastardly groin. So... <laughs> You know, he doesn't do it like that in real in real life, but in a comedy sketch, it seemed to work okay. Yeah. But I think there was a bunch of them that, that, um, that, man, I just, I just needed another hour. You know, something that I would get on a Thursday. Yeah. And I would take it out there and, and it would be good enough to maybe get the laugh and it would go on the air and then people would go, that wasn't that great. You know? Yeah. Um, but you you want it to be strong enough so you can do it again. You have some more time to learn it and get better at it. And you, you want Listen, you want to stay on the air. So you want it to be strong enough to get the laugh. And if you can find a, you know, you find a hook in it that you can apply to. to it's not just get the laugh. It's get the laugh with lines you've never seen. All right? You might see them, right, Jeff? I mean... You might have 90 seconds. You might have 30 seconds. The thing has been rewritten. And you need to be at least strong enough to, to do stuff in a language you've never seen before. I mean, I don't, I don't think... I mean, you, you did that. You killed him on SNL. You know, uh, sometimes I did. I, I, I remember not being in a lot of shows, which is, you know, fine. It was like... Um, I think the hardest part was like... Obviously, the, the hardest part to me is coming up with things, coming up with, you know, the sketches themselves. 
Because I can come up with a voice, I can get a hook on it, but I don't know what to do with it. You know, I, and I came, I didn't know how to write sketches and, um, and I never really learned, but I should. I, I didn't learn. I never learned that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's something that actually helped. Um, do you know a guy named Jonathan Kite? Do you know him? Yeah. So Jonathan is, he's a great impressionist. And, uh, he ended up when he, when two broke girls, he was on that show, two broke girls, he played the chef if anybody's, uh, you know, listening and remembers Jonathan from that show. But he got an SNL audition, um, and he was pushing for it. And like, because Two Broke Girls got uh, didn't get picked up for the seventh season, so then he was trying to transfer over to SNL. And uh, he was, you know, he looked to me. I, I gave him some notes after a set. I was like, "What if you did an impression of, you know, um, I think he did Tom Hanks?" And I said, "He, you know, he goes, what, what can I do?" He's like, "I got a good Hanks. How do I? What do I do with it?" I said, "Do like Tom Hanks, like stubbing his toe or being tickled." Oh, you, you know? came up with that? Yeah, so I started like okay. going with him and just like, you know, what if you what if he was doing this, you know, like and and I go that would be so funny. And so like then we just started working together. So I was try I tried to help him, but it's an it's an art, man. Like these guys that write this stuff, you know, uh, oh, yeah. are so great at, at doing it at, at SNL with 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 their impressions and uh Wait, you know, didn't you do Howard Stern? No. That was Jimmy. Yeah, Jimmy did Howard Stern. Yeah, Fallon did a nice Howard Stern. A great yeah. Howard Stern. Hmm. I did Busey, Louis Anderson. It's hot in here. You guys ready to play that feud? <laughs> oh yeah, brother. Do Busey? Can I? Can I ask for Busey? <clears throat> I was in a parking lot of a Frito Lay factory getting a hand job from what I hope was a circus clown. <laughs> <clears throat> it's so great, man. <clears throat> I envy people that. It can turned out to be a circus clown. <laughs> I he walked the, up I to me guy. once with a photograph of a girl and went should I marry her I can't do him but can <laughs> <laughs> <Should> I marry her <laughs> he's funny. weird I mean he's cool he can be cool have you yeah, met him have you met him totally before cool guy. yeah I met him once uh, I was doing this movie that never came out and I was doing my impression of him to the crew oh, and no. I hadn't met him yet and I was in the backyard, we were filming, and I just hear this, Jeffrey, come out, come out, wherever you are. <laughs> and I, he comes over to me, has two hot dogs. He's like, here's a hot dog. And it had relish on it, and I was like, oh, I don't really like relish. And he goes, just eat it. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be worried that he'd be like, you know, trying to hurt, like, I was like, oh, shit, like, does he like the impression? Because if he doesn't, he's kind of fucking crazy. Yeah, I tell you, I tell you, Jeff, I'm a bitter, cynical fuck, and you just made me belly laugh. So thank oh, you, thank you. <laughs> sure, I got some good fucking uh, endorphins and some fucking uh, some serotonin there. So thank you, that felt great. Wonderful, thank you, thank you. Do you have any stories uh, about working with Daryl by chance? You remember any? Yeah, we did. What one did we do? I remember we did one where you were. You might have been. It was one with John Stewart, and I was Letterman, and you. I can't remember which one you were. Leno. Um, I think you might have been Leno. Yeah, I think you did see, Leno. I seem to recall uh, doing a Leno uh, with your Letterman. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, um, but then <clears throat> I just remember we'd smoke cigarettes in your uh, dressing room or your uh, office. Yeah, you give me wisdom. I loved it. Did Very I give you comforting. wisdom? Because you did. 
Half you told me I you gave like, me some good advice on how to navigate there. Dana Carvey did that for me. Yeah, because I I, my first fucking year, I was lost. I never learned how to write a sketch. I can write monologues for myself, but a sketch, no. I, I mean, against to... with you know, to compete against all those SNL writers that were groundlings and uh, to write a sketch. And I mean, we trained to be stand-ups all this time. They trained to do SNL all this time. You know, they yeah. could, they're just and to come to to do it at SNL. I mean, they had the they had, they have the best writers. I think. Amazing. I mean, you know, I think I survived because of the writers. Yeah. You know, there were how many nights did I ever go out there going uh, when I was flat as a pancake? I'd be so tired and I couldn't remember why I thought I was funny and why did I want to do this show and I'm not good and I'm going to disgrace myself. But, you know, the writers would write. I mean, think of some of those writers, man. Oh, yeah. Adam McKay, Tina Fey. I mean, just, you know, Seth Meyers would write these sketches. And I, I remember many nights going out there feeling like I wasn't doing the voice very well, but I was relying on the words. Many nights I would go out and go, all you got to do is let that, the audience, just let them understand you. The words are so damn funny, you know? I yeah. got my ass saved, well, basically propped up for years with great writing. Great writing, yeah. That's Seth awesome. is an amazing writer. Oh, Seth man. came in just killing it right away. Three <laughs> he just knew how to do that, you know? Like, it, it's, it's, it's not easy to to compete with, you know, like Scott Wainio. Remember Scott? Yeah. He was a great writer. He was a great writer. There um, was one time I was doing an event with Mayor Bloomberg at the Plaza Hotel, and we were raising money for something. And, you know, I had to get up there and not do impressions and do about a six to ten minute monologue up front. I could do impressions, I guess, if I wanted, but they wanted topical material, and they were paying me really well. And Seth wrote me a sheet of jokes. It took him an no time at all. Just, I just crushed saying his words. Yeah, that's just awesome. saying the fucking words so they could hear them, you know. And uh, I'll never forget being. I was like, "How did you?" Just a sheet, and every <laughs> joke worked. You know. Yeah. It's a great writer. I don't think the ending of leaving that show is ever easy on anyone. It's like being through, you know, a battle, a war, or whatever. It's good and great, but it's also just takes it can take everything out of you. And yeah, you, and, you know, I've I've said to people, and they don't know what I'm talking about, but you might. I mean, it seems to me that getting off that show for me was harder than getting on that show. There is no preparation for the day when it it's, it ends. You know. Because when you're there, you can't think in those terms. You've got to think like, uh, I know how to do this. This is going to go well. I'm going to keep working hard at it. You don't really think about the day. It's, it's going to end. Uh, you know, in my case, um, I, I wanted to go around after my 11th season. When they knew the Obama administration came in, I didn't play anyone. It was really time to go. But I, I don't think they wanted to say goodbye. I didn't know how to say goodbye. Um, and it went on a little longer than it should, but no harm done. I mean, everyone had the best intentions, but leaving was hard. And I remember, you know, going to, at the time I had a house in Vero Beach and I went after my last show, I went down there for like two weeks. I didn't move. 
I was so in shock. Like I'm not on SNL anymore, you know? Yeah. As it happened, I would keep getting called back. You know, I've been fortunate to get, keep getting called back to do stuff there, but to not be full time. And I really wasn't prepared for my phone wouldn't ring. Right. Like I had a phone that never stopped ringing the day after my final episode, it stopped, you know? And, um, the last two years, you know, I, I was sort of forgotten, but not gone because I really wasn't on the air very much. <clears throat> and I had been on the air all the time and now I'm barely on the air. And it's just leaving was harder than, 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 than getting on the show. I think for me, You've been there. You, you had such a, a nice tenure there. And you're doing the voice of Don Pardo. And, I mean, there's so many ways to use you that, you know, they didn't want to get rid of you completely, even after years and years, because you can still, you know, fill in and do a killer job when people can't do, they can't do certain impressions, you know. And they just can't. And you can it's well, like Jesse Jackson. Are you kidding me? <laughs> That's like the greatest thing. And they brought him back, I think, this last season for what? Uh, Chris Matthews, right? Yeah, and a Clinton. And Clinton. No, I mean, no, they've always employed me. Thank the Lord. Thank you. <laughs> but I'm, you know, nobody minds, nobody over there minds it, minds it when you say, hey, it's hard here. It's really fucking hard. You know, I mean, yeah. it is rough. And, yeah. and, and, and <clears throat> you know, you don't want to hear. Nobody wants to hear what happened the other day at gladiator practice and how someone hit you know, hit you too hard, you know, because you're in the big leagues and you should be able to handle it. And there were times where I, it was just, it, it was too hard, you know, and towards the end where I couldn't get anything on, and I had already told them I wanted to leave, you know, but they're like, no, not yet. I mean, breaking up is hard to do. Yeah. Well, it's such an iconic show. It's hard. It's hard to leave that place. I mean, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's such a unique thing to get on there in the first place. And then to, to go, it's, you know, it's tough, but I mean, I'm sure you guys both enjoyed your time there, obviously. And, uh, you know, it's such a cool thing. Did, did you go back for the big reunion, Jeff? Were you there for the, yeah. the 45th? Yeah, I did. That's awesome. Fun. I think, I mean, obviously I think it looks like it's going to make it to 50. So, I mean, that'll be a, you know, cool thing to see that, you know, just the, what other show has gone this long? I just got a text from SNL. Uh-oh. About, um, you're fired. <laughs> They're like, Daryl, stop talking about the show on the fucking podcast. <laughs> Is this live? Yeah. No, 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 no. We're just we're recording. This will be out in about two weeks. Okay. Yeah, so we're recording a little bit in advance and then uh, we try to release them as quick as we can. But we also have so many guests that want to come on, which we're blessed, man. We, we have a lot of people that love Daryl. So. Oh, yeah. You know? Uh, how yeah. was, um, I mean, we've been talking a lot about SNL. Like, how you want to talk about Mad TV at all? Like, how was that experience? That's a pretty cool cast to be a part of, too. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, it, I mean, it was all just so fast you know and it, it it was like i came out to la in 98 and where I were you living a, before i was in i went to school in north carolina 
Okay, so you jumped um, from North Carolina to LA. Yeah, and okay. um, so I was like twenty. I don't know, four or five. Um, but yeah, I just remember being really young and not knowing anything, and you yeah. know, that's how I felt when I moved to LA. Acting. Yeah. When you and I met at the comedy store, I didn't know shit, man. Like, I tried putting on a show there a couple times in the main room. And I was like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I'm so young yeah. in this business. You know, I was only yeah. a few years in. Yeah. But yeah, I get so it. I have, to get, I have to get a. I have to go to a training session about COVID testing. Okay. Um, I guess I'm going to get tested, bro. Yeah, well, you know, make sure you get that clean bill of health, and then you can get back in the building. Oh, for, yeah, uh, what? for SNL? Yeah, since he does the yeah. audition, or the uh, announcing. Oh, okay. Cool. But yeah, anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, man. Uh, how, do you want to continue with the... I'm sorry. I, I, talk I, about I, Matt TV? I mean... Yeah, Matt no, there's TV not really... It was a quick thing. Uh, I mean, the difference is that it's, you know, that's taped in front of a live taped in front of a crowd so they can stop it and start it and all that and snl was you know you just go there was no stopping so um so that felt you know like a safety thing a little bit but but again i i'd never done anything before so i was just trying to survive on mad tv and snl well you're always trying to survive i think sketch shows are tough if you don't you don't know that culture you know like if you if you you know improv people and stand-ups are really different they really are different in a lot of ways and um yeah, absolutely and uh so you know navigating it's just like it's nice if you you're really on your own a lot of times if you don't go to the show and you know you know people from before you're on your own you know which is i'm not saying it's that's just what i dealt with you know yeah, no, but I mean, it was such a, you know, great show to, I'm sure to be part of. And man, some of those people that were on the cast with you in both shows, obviously, you know, SNL and Man TV were so talented. I mean, uh, I still, um, I, I ran into Aries Spears in DC before the Corona hit and we were both doing the DC improv, uh, different rooms. And so I, I, I remember talking to him and we just started talking about Mad TV and he, he was just like, man, this is some of the best years of my life. He's like, people I got to work with were so great. You know, and then yeah, you, cool thing. you can't, you gotta be positive about it for sure. Um, you know, and I never know how to answer these questions. Like, what was it like when you're on Matt TV? And I, my <laughs> head just, I just see all these fireworks. I mean, all these things, they're traumatizing. <laughs> I think it's tra- traumatizing being on television. But, uh, hell, hell yeah. You know, it just is. There's a PTSD f- part of it. Um, especially live TV. Yeah. 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 Where where everything seems to be written in disappearing ink and God almighty. So I always felt like, you know, it wasn't my body that couldn't sustain the effort. My body was strong enough to still do the show, but my mind didn't want to anymore. My mind was like, enough. It's like some of these guys retire from tennis. They're still physically strong. But, I mean, after uh, enough Wimbledons, enough high-pressure, high-stakes situations yeah. in which, you know, you can lose it all. 
Yeah. And in which the president's watching and which Letterman's watching and which Charlie Rose is watching. I mean, right. there people are watching you. And what is never captured to me in anything ever written or spoken about SNL is the degree of difficulty. I mean, that's why Lauren doesn't just hire anybody. I mean, they, he's got to hire a rough rider, someone that can navigate those, those, I want to use the word perilous shoals. It's like, right? I mean, yeah. Because you've got to be prepared to give birth to something that's really special to you and fully realized that's not going to make it on the air. And then have your calf taken away from you and not be too rattled uh, to go to the next sketch or to start over next week and give birth to something else because, you know, it's got to be new. Mm-hmm. Yeah, got to be new. I That's mean, the thing. I, I always thought they'd be like, well, they'll do this another time. But really, they seldom did that. Like, just rerun yeah. it, you know, reread something and then put it on. Yeah, yeah. well, we're going to find something for Wolfman Jack next week. I'm like, yeah, we had Brooks Whelan on uh, our podcast, and Brooks talked about, he said, it made it the sketch that he loved that never got on. I don't know if you have one of these stories, but uh, he had this sketch that, that – he loved and it, and it made it to dress and then it got cut for time at the very end. They ended up going something else. Right. But the sketch was basically where King Kong rapes him. And it's so silly. It was something so funny and silly to me. And he was, and they, they were like, yeah, yeah, let's, let's, you know, let's, well, that sounds like such a great idea. We'll bring it back next week. And then he had to repitch it again next week. And they looked at him like he was insane. He's like, but this made it to dress last week. Yeah. And they just never put it on. never made it, but it's such a silly premise where he was being raped repeatedly by king kong and then they have to, like ended up in a relationship in this in the sketch and it, it's something funny I, I i laughed when i heard it but um and do you have any of those type of uh, sketches that you remember where you're like man i wish this had gotten on this was so great like well the imus my first thing i was supposed to do ever was the don i was going to do don imus on update and uh and chevy chase did the shark thing it was like the first or second week after 9-11 and uh, so I, and I never got to do that again. It, you know, it's just because the timing of it wasn't good. You know, like I think there was something in the news with Imus. Well, so, he got in yeah. trouble in the news for for something for back in the day. This right? is before that, though. Okay, this, oh, it was before. This is like two thousand. Oh, when he was he was looking at a tape of some women basketball players. Oh, the nappy headed, yeah, yeah. He called them nappy headed yeah. hoes or something like that, and yeah. uh, everyone's oh. like, "Are you out of your mind? Like, what's wrong with you?" Yeah. Oh my God! That's how he became like a household name. Unfortunately, when people were you know knew him, but like people really knew him after that controversy. Yeah, you know, I, I remember there was a there was a time in which I was playing Rumsfeld, and I was um, the sketch the, 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 the sketch the the words changed all the way up until um, dress, and then right before air they changed again. But but I remember, you know, I was sitting in the chair and. and um, fucking A-Rod was 20 feet from me and Paul McCartney was over there and I was presented with words I'd never seen before and I remember my stomach going, I think I've had enough. I'm tired. <laughs> Time for a nap. I'm, I'm really tired of seeing, of not seeing material that I'm about to perform with A-Rod standing like I can, you know, I can play catch with him. Yeah. 
But also, fuck A-Rod as a Yankee fan. So. <laughs> I loved A-Rod. I, I thought he was a great baseball you know, yeah, player until he, he got to the Yankees, and then, you know, then he kind of only was either strikeout or home run, one of the two, and then the home run stopped happening, and you're like, bye. <laughs> so I, 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 I wouldn't worry about performing in front of that guy so much as he wasn't, you know, he wasn't, he was doing the same thing with the Yankee fans. Well, what about like McCartney standing there? You're like, I oh, yeah, that's intimidating. Thinking, that's for sure intimidating. I remember thinking to myself, what am I doing here? What, how am I, <laughs> how yeah. am I in this room? Why am I associated with the Beatles? Yeah. But that's us as comedians all the time. Like, it doesn't matter. Stand up, you know, obviously SNL is a bigger, much bigger stage, but like all comedians, you know, sometimes you have somebody in your audience and you're just like, how, what am I doing here? Like these, this is somebody huge in the audience. Like you, I don't know. It's a total mind fuck sometimes, but you try not to think about it. You just go out and fucking do it. But then later on, you're like, I took a picture with this guy. I performed in front of him. I can't believe that that I was there. Like what you know, like it's a very surreal type of feeling when you. It's a very dream, yeah, very dreamlike. Yeah, anybody could pop up, you know. Anybody could pop up. That was what was so cool. Never knew who you'd see. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. You could be sitting in your dressing room and LeBron James walks by and shit. You're like, what? (laughs) So fucking cool, man. I mean, it's part of the cool factor of, of doing that show for sure um i have a, a story that i want to tell yeah let's hear um, it. i know that i know that the um the host isn't supposed to tell stories but um no the host can always tell stories come on buddy well i think <laughs> that that jeff might appreciate it because of the <clears throat> because they were real characters okay i used to know um security pretty well because i had stalkers Got my life saved. Got to know some of these cool guys, some XF, FBI and XMYPD. And they were telling me about a, uh, a wiretap story, actually a bugging story where they had bugged uh, a bookie joint. And so two of the gangsters were having this debate over whether, whether or not gay people should be allowed to march in the St. Patty's Day Parade. Okay, so they're going at it. This is a real tape. It's being described to me by an ex-FBI agent who's doing the voices and everything. So these two guys are debating, and then all of a sudden there's like this silence, and then a third voice chimed up from somewhere else in the room and said, Oh, my, the gays marching the St. Patty's Day Parade. But why do they got to have a 50-foot cock fold overhead? Do you understand what I'm saying? You stay in there, it's a nice day, all of a sudden, hit the head with a 50-foot fucking cock. This is no way to live. Frankie, am I right or am I right? Frankie, right or wrong? And you hear this little voice go, when you're right, you're right. No one, gets it, no one wants to get hit in the head with a 50-foot cock. When you're right, you're right. Oh, that's hilarious. Do you like that story? Yeah, I think I know which guy you're talking about. Yeah. Did, did he have like a white, kind of a groomed beard, a white groomed beard? Yeah, Eddie. The Eddie, you were always with Eddie, right? A lot. Yeah. But he would he would do the voice of the fifty foot cock. You understand? That should have been a sketch on <laughs> SNL. <laughs> this is the way to live, Frankie. Am I right or am I right? When you're right, you're right. No one wants to get head in the head with a fifty foot cock. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. You're right. 
Now, Jeff, uh, what we do uh, on this podcast, when uh, at the end of our podcast, we always have our guests come on and we say, hey, if you have any cool stories that you want to tell us, maybe something wild that happened to you or you experienced, it doesn't have to be from SNL, anything that you've done, um, just like fun story, kind of almost like with the Gary Busey thing. Um, you know, we'd love for you to, to well, tell Well, I can tell you, my first week of SNL, I, I met Dustin Hoffman. I'll tell you that story. You want to hear that real quick? Yeah, yes. absolutely. That'd be great. So okay. I'm in New York, and I'm with my friend John Reap, who's a, a I know fabulous John, yeah. comedian. Very funny. Um, and he sees Dustin Hoffman walking, and he's with his whole family. He says, hey, there's Dustin Hoffman. Go over there and introduce yourself. Tell me you do an impression of him. I said, you know, that's a terrible idea, you know. But <laughs> I had to do it. I had to do it. It was like a once-in-a-lifetime thing. So I went up to him, and I said, hey, Mr. Hoffman, I'm a huge fan. And I just want to say hi. My name is Jeff. And he goes, oh, you, you, you do my um, – you do my, uh, you do my, my voice. Why don't you, why don't you do it for me right now? Do it, do it, do it, do it. <laughs> so, I, uh, so I did it. I got right up in his ear, and I was like, did the only lines I knew at the time. I was like, I find you very attractive, very, very attractive, and I want to make passionate love to you for hours and hours and hours. And he turned to me and he goes. Why don't you say that to my wife and we should go out with you? <laughs> she'll, she'll take you out for a drink or a, some booze. Yeah. Bravo. That's great, thank man. You, that was, you, that's awesome. You. Yeah, what a great story, dude. I mean, that's so cool. And he was so nice to you, it sounds uh, like. It's, uh, yeah, he was great. That's awesome, man. Well, uh, before we go, do you, is there anything else that you'd like to plug? I know you said you got a podcast. Yeah, I just got my podcast, uh, thejeffrichards.com, or everywhere you get podcasts. Um, some cool guests. Love to have you on it, uh, Daryl, if you'd like to do it. Hey, there's my weed delivery. The answer is yes. <laughs> okay, great. keep going. I just need to get this. So, Jeff, make sure uh, to check out Jeff Richards' podcast. Uh, also, uh, Jeff Richards, what's your um, Instagram and all that, your social media uh, stuff? It's uh, at the Jeff Richards. At the yeah. Jeff Richards. Okay, cool. Buddy, thank you so much for being on our podcast today. Okay. appreciate having you. It's great to Thanks, see you. Chris. I haven't seen you in so long, man. Yeah, it's good to see you too, bud. Thank you so much for yeah, doing the podcast. I, I definitely man. want to do your podcast, okay? <laughs> okay, Daryl, cool. I'll hit I'll you set, up. I'll set it up. Make sure you guys get uh, get in touch. You're such you. a talented guy and a nice man. I appreciate it. You're and you a wonderful killed man. it on this show today. You were brilliant. Thank you. I appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. I second Setting that, man. Well. Great, great setups. Great uh Great impressions, man. Thank you so much. The Dustin Hoffman's story is really priceless. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Very welcome. So give me a ring when you want me to do okay. something. Okay. I will. Thanks, buddy. Okay, dude. Sounds good. Okay. Awesome, Later. man. Thanks, Jeff. Bye, See guys. you later, buddy. Daryl, how great was uh, was our guest today, Jeff Richards? How great was that? Dude, we, we're getting some kick-ass people on here. Absolutely. And I hope that the listeners are understanding that how lucky we are to have some of these great comedians on. I mean, obviously, Jeff is, you know, such a great impressionist, but also was so great on SNL and Mad TV. Uh, what a fun guest, man. What a fun podcast. These are getting better and better with every uh, episode. Um, and I just hope that uh, everyone, like I said in the beginning, please share this. Please download. Please subscribe. Make sure you tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell some strangers. I don't know. I just got a text from Amy, so I think we're going to um, grab a, get a sandwich or something. Sounds great, man. Uh, and, uh, you know, for those of you who haven't already, please add us on social media 
at Daryl C. Hammond. Uh, I am at Chris Milhouse. Thank you so much. Uh, we will be back again next week with another great episode of the Third Person Podcast, another awesome guest lined up. Stay tuned. Please subscribe, like I said, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you very much. See you, everybody.